0: Hello, and welcome to Remember God Loves You, and I'll meet you at the finish line. Well, I hope you guys are having a fantastic day, because I know I am, because today is a day that the Lord hath made, and we shall rejoice and praise and be glad in it. And today we have a very special guest. His name is Steve Tyber, the CEO and founder of Eight Days of Hope, which is a mission organization, a volunteer organization of 45,000 volunteers. That go and help out in disasters relief zones. They go out and help build houses. But before we get to interview Steve Tiber, we're gonna start off with a word of prayer. Dear Holy Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together, Lord. We thank you that we can just come here in reverence of you, oh Lord. We pray that this interview can go well, and that we can just share the gospel through uh, this interview, and that we can impact lives, and that we can also bring people closer to you, Lord, and. We just pray for uh, Steve and his wonderful work and his wonderful mission project that he's doing through this Eight Days of Hope, Lord. And we just pray for the organization that it can impact and change lives. May you bless us as we continue this day. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, welcome to the show, Steve.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it.
0: No problem. So let's start off. So what? So my question is, what made you start Eight Days of Hope, a matter of fact,
1: like? <laughs> You know, yeah, I was living in Tupelo, Mississippi, and I was leading a building material corporation. And in 2005, uh, a major storm hit our country. You probably heard of it it was called Katrina. Yes. Uh, my, my dad living in Buffalo um, called me and said, hey, let's go. Let's go help somebody out. You find a couple buddies. I'll bring a couple guys down. and Let's find a widow, maybe an elderly couple, a single mom. But let's help somebody rebuild their house. And I said, all right, I'm in. And so it was that simple. Well, that was our plan. But so many times in life, God shows us who's really in control. Um, that plan to help out one family with six people end up being 684 volunteers. Uh, we helped 84 families rebuild their homes in eight days. The number eight in the Bible means new beginnings. And 80 you know, 80, uh, 80 some families saw a new beginning after Katrina. So when we left, uh, that was in December of '05. Just felt like God was calling us to do something again, and so we formed a nonprofit called Eight Days of Hope. It's a ministry. It's pretty much volunteer-led. We now have almost fifty thousand volunteers who've traveled the country. Wow! We, we have responded to over seventy disasters, and now we have multiple arms of the ministry as well. So, this has been a God-sized story since day one, and still is.
0: Well, that is awesome to hear, and I'm sure you guys had some ups and downs. But well, let's get back to let's uh, before we kind of continue with what uh, the the organization itself. Let's talk about you. I'm sure that you know. Did you always grow up in a Christian household? Did you like? Were you always a Christian, or did you have like? Can you give us kind of like a two minute like like testimony?
1: You know, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Um, a lot of cities in the Northeast. Uh, most people, a lot of people are Catholic. Uh, I grew up in a Catholic family, one of seven children. My mom was, yeah, my mom was a born again, charismatic Catholic who loved Jesus and just had, had the biggest heart of anyone I've ever met. Uh, in 1993, after eight years of marriage, um, I had become an addict, uh, eight years every day. Uh, I was involved in a self-destructive habit and literally left my house to commit suicide. Wow. Uh, on a Saturday night, parked my car on a railroad track, waiting for a train to come that came every night for eight years. Did not come that night. The next day I go to church, I hear a message on Joshua one nine. And the pastor said, there's someone out there today that's feeling weak. They're discouraged. They want to give up. But know that God is with you. And at that altar call at the age of thirty three, I ran down the altar, fell on my knees and said, Father, forgive me, but. Um, you know, help me, uh, through this addiction, you know, free me from that, restore my marriage. And, um, God said, yes, yes. And yes. And that was back in February of 1993. I've been clean for 29 years. My marriage is uh, 37 years strong. We, we now have five kids and just so thankful that God met me at my lowest point.
0: Wow. So what do you tell, that's, that's amazing. Um, what do you tell somebody that's dealing with an addiction? Like, it doesn't matter any addiction. What do you tell somebody that's dealing with it? Like, uh, what encourage yeah, some encouragement?
1: Yeah. So, you know, if you're an addict yourself, I, I just want to encourage you that there is hope. You know, I, I tried everything I could do to try to stop my self-destructive habit, and I could not do it by myself. And, you know, God met me right at my lowest point. Now, after I gave my heart to the Lord in February of 1993, you know, I went to meetings and I, I and I changed my friends. Uh, I joined a local church. Um, my whole life changed. I mean, I wasn't the same person and, you know, it, it was, um, it was a lot of work, but it was so well worth it. You know, I, I respect myself. Um, my marriage is, is, you know, nothing's perfect, but man, it's pretty close. I mean, my, my wife is amazing and God has blessed us. Now, if you have somebody you love that's an addict I'll encourage you very quickly to do something simple never stop praying don't don't enable don't don't look the other way stand on truth but never stop praying I had a lot of people praying for me for those eight years and those prayers really worked amen so
0: is that so is Joshua 19 your theme Bible verse
1: it is you know the, the scripture says have I not commanded you to be courageous, um, uh, do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord that God is with you wherever you go. And so, you know, ever since that day, when I heard that sermon on Joshua 1:9, you know, I was scared that day. I, I was given up. Um, I felt like I was alone and, you know, God never leaves us. We leave him, we, we stray, but he's always with us. And, you know, so I lean on that verse even now, here I am, what, 30, uh, You know, almost 30 years later, uh, that's still the verse I hold on to. Wow. So what do you
0: so you have good days and bad days for like, you know, for listen for my listeners and for anyone that might be like that's tuning in. You know, there's so, you know, you accept Jesus Christ and you're on fire for the beginning. But then even I, throughout my life and stuff, there are times when I kind of <laughs> felt like I was in my stale of my faith. During those times when you thought like your faith wasn't growing or when your faith wasn't developing, what made you persevere to like keep knowing God and like uh, I'm like fired for God without getting
1: tired? Yeah. Or you know, the, the world can distract us. I mean, yeah. th- think about today, you know, the world we live in. We're, we're such a divided people, uh, you know, either political or even socially um you know we 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 you know people pick fights on social media with one another and then never speak to one another i mean life is not easy and so for me it's it's pretty simple you know when when times get tough when i get distracted very quickly i've got to run back to jesus and you know it starts you know starts with his word you know some people feel like well gosh i don't have an hour every day to do a devotion in the morning or in the evening but yeah, maybe you don't, but maybe you have 10 minutes. Maybe you can start listening to some Christian music. I mean, I love Christian music. And wherever I go, I'm always listening to music and I'm I'm singing. I'm not a very good singer, but I love worshiping and praising God. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's, it's you know, we're, we're sponges. We absorb what we're around, right? If you put yourselves in company that, you know, isn't God-fearing, God-loving people, then, you know, it's a slippery slope. Now, you don't isolate from the world at the same time. You know, I have friends that I that I love on that don't know Jesus, and I want them to hopefully see not just hear about Jesus, but see Jesus in me. You know, it's a marathon; it's not a sprint. There's going to be all ups and downs, yep. especially you know finances, health, children, jobs, ministries, churches. Um, they they might fail us, they might trouble us, but God will never. Uh, he'll never leave us nor forsake us.
0: Amen. And, and that's so, and that's so impactful what you just said and stating that, you know, during those ups and downs. Um, so then, you know, with, so you accepted Jesus Christ and you, so it was in 1993. So you were never a believer prior because were you like per se, like, um, like a corporate
1: Christian per se. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was an altar boy growing up and, and I'm not knocking any denomination. I just know for me, um, you know, it was, you know, I can go to a church service for, you know, 40 minutes and not even know I was there. And and I'm a very passionate person. I'm passionate about my family, my faith. I'm passionate about sports. I'm passionate about the ministry of Eight Days of Hope. But I wanted to be passionate about Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, he met me at my lowest point. That train didn't come that night for a reason. And, you know, that next morning, I promised them, you know, Father, save my marriage. Take this addiction away from me. Yeah. And, and, and it wasn't let's make a deal. But I mean, I remember saying very simply, I'm going to serve you to the day I die. Please Amen. be with me and I won't leave you. And and again, you know, life's not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I have to repent and run to him yep. often. But um, I love him and, and he's part of my life. And he's, he's the reason why I do what I do.
0: Amen. And you think about it is that you look at how amazing God had a plan for you, you know, for that train and stuff that normally goes in and stuff. You know, how awesome is that? You look back on it and you're, man, thinking, I just, I'm just dumbfounded and thinking, I'm just kind of glorifying God and saying, wow, God, you do have a plan for Steve, you know? And how awesome is it that you didn't send that train, you know, that normally comes in. And that's a little bit, I mean, a lot of people are thinking, well, that was maybe a coincidence. I don't say that's a coincidence. <laughs> God has a plan. You know, yeah. man, it's not, nothing is a coincidence in this
1: day and age. You know, you know you, yeah, you say it so well. You know, we moved to Mississippi in 1999. That was never our plan. My wife and I had uh, 13 siblings living in New York. Our parents were here. We, we were the first ones to leave. And if I don't live in Mississippi, I could care less about the hurricane. And I, mean, I would have cared but I would not have cared to go and do something. Yeah. And and so, you know, when you're living in the state, it get hit by, you know, a hurricane, you know, never did I even think for a moment that God would allow me to be a founder of a national ministry. I mean, who am I? I mean, I'm just Steve. I mean, he's yeah. God. And yet, to your point, nothing happens by coincidence. It doesn't happen by accident. So it's part of his overall plan.
0: Yes, So then jumping to so jumping to Christian music as well, because you uh, also hit a point of Christian music. What is your favorite? Who's your favorite? What is your favorite Christian song?
1: Wow. So right now there's a brand new song out and it's a friend of mine and a friend of the ministry. He's a brand new artist. Actually, today it just hit number one on Billboard Christian songs. It's called Who I Am. It's by Ben Fuller. He's a brand new artist. Actually, he's on tour with Zach Williams right now. And he actually comes to Eight Days of Hope. So he'll be with us in December when we do our next big rebuild trip in Lake Charles, Louisiana. he will put on a free concert. But it's called Who I Am. It's an amazing song. Um, He's an amazing writer. Uh, Yes, I like For King and Country. You know, I like Phil Wickham. There's a lot of great artists. You know, I've I've uh, been a part of the music industry for the last 29 years uh, as a volunteer leader of a, a Christian music festival. So I've gotten to know a lot of the artists. And, and it's uh, actually yesterday I was in Nashville uh, hanging out with some some friends in the industry. So, um, you know, Christian music to me is very important.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm with the same thing with you. you um, in Wisconsin, they have this festival called Life Fest, which is a big Christian. Mm.
1: Um, we, we, we were there.
0: We were yeah. there. You know, the funny part is. Um, I actually, somebody told me about eight days of hope. And a matter of fact, I flew to, um, well, we, I think we had a, like, I flew there and stuff. It was like in Buffalo, New York. You have like a sub headquarters and you also have, uh, your major headquarters actually is you're in, is it in Missouri?
1: No, it's in Tupelo, Mississippi, where I was, where I lived for 20 years. Okay. Yeah. And then we have a satellite in Buffalo, New York and Cedar Rapids, Iowa.
0: Yes. Okay. I was thinking MS. I'm thinking, okay, Skyview, Missouri. No, it was okay. I am so sorry about this in Mississippi. And it was, um, I definitely can tell you, um, it was fantastic. Um, and I would have to like, you know, tour, not tour, but I like to kind of take a look around and, um, you know, visit up there when I have another opportunity. Sure. Um, and I think it'd be a pretty cool for my podcast, my minute, my podcast to kind of like get behind the scenes. Cause I'm all about organizations, Christian mm. organizations, uh, like getting them out there and helping, not helping them, but like saying, okay, this is the behind the scenes because it's like to, you know, not only are we like, they helping them out, but it's just, you know, all that, but we can talk for that at a later date. Sure. But I like to kind of discuss, you know, so you started so you accepted Jesus Christ and then what made you move to Mississippi? Was was it because, you know, as Christians and stuff, you know how when we're tempted or if we're like, if we truly want a brand new start, we change our lifestyle. And that might have to require us to either sell or move out of our house or
1: move somewhere else. Is that what kind of like started that or what? You know, in 1993, when I became a believer very quickly, I thought God was calling me to do the go into ministry full time. So you know, I spent a couple of years in, 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 in school and I, and I and I thought I was going to become a pastor. At the same time, I was working in the building materials industry and uh, I was doing quite well. And, and a corporation asked me to move to Mississippi to lead their, their business. And so it was a huge step for my family and I. And it was a little confusing to me because I thought God was calling me to full time ministry. But, you know, a very good friend of mine, he coaches the Indianapolis Colts. His name is Frank Reich. And you know, Frank was telling me I was calling Frank. I said, "Hey, Frank, I really feel like God wants me to be in ministry full time." And he said, "Steve, you know, you're leading a business with thousands of employees. You're the leader. And God's, you know, a ministry is more than just sitting behind a pulpit. God's going to allow you to minister to those employees, to your customers. You're going to show them how to handle conflict, uh, how to, you know, communicate to one another. Um, you know how 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 in the business world." You can be a Christ follower and not compromise, be a man of, of integrity. And so Amen. long story short, I moved down to Tupelo. I lived there for 20 years, um, and I led a building material corporation. We made windows and doors and siding and stone, and uh, that company to this day is one of our national partners. They sew into Eight Days of Hope every year. They cover our fixed cost, and uh, they're a great supporter of the ministry of Eight Days of Hope.
0: Wow, that's awesome. You know what the funny part is, uh, Steve? Is that I was gonna? I'm actually got accepted. At, actually, I got accepted at Oak Hills Seminary School for. A oh, event. nice! <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, and so I feel like, I feel like I kind of see myself in, like, see myself in you, uh, because you know we both got accepted. Like, because I'm considering. Uh, you know, I'm considering going for pastoral ministry. I've got mm. something that Elkills, So, uh, you know, it's weird. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe God has something else in store for me, you know? And that's why I see myself. I'm like, how cool is that? What school did you attend, by the way?
1: So I went to college in Kansas. Um, uh, in, in, now that's in the 80s, before I knew Jesus. But then I did a correspondence school brand college. It's an Assembly of God program in Missouri.
0: Oh, okay, that's cool. And I'm guessing, there. Was, uh, what school did you go in Kansas, the, the Kansas State? or
1: No, I, I went to a Division two school. I, I went on a football scholarship, and um, uh, it was called Ottawa University. It was a Baptist school. So okay. I went to a Baptist college to play college football, not knowing Jesus. Had a lot of people love on me during the process, even though at times I was probably unlovable. And to this day, you know, after I gave my heart to the Lord in 1993— I reached out to a lot of my friends in college and said, thank you. Thank you for being Jesus to somebody who uh, didn't know him because I remembered how kind they were. Uh, even many times when I probably didn't uh, didn't warrant that kindness. So yeah. Um, yeah, so I was in the Midwest for a while and up in the Northeast. And uh, again, now I'm back in Buffalo as we speak. Wow, that's cool. You know, I just think of
0: how God has been working in your life. Now, you. so what happened is, you, you went to school in 83 and then you what did you study at Kansas at the division two school business management or yes yeah,
1: yeah, so uh, communications public relations so I grew up in the sales and marketing world and then ended up becoming a you know a leader of a privately held business the corporate leader and um but the sales and marketing background it's amazing because you know you know I think back to college and it's just amazing you said it earlier in this interview you know, God, God is not a God of coincidence or accidents. You know, he's preparing us for what where he's taken us. And, you know, it's Abraham and Isaac. You don't know what's on the other side of the mountain, right? But he yep. does. You know, I think back to college. Back in college, uh, I had the opportunity to be the radio station manager of our college radio station. And I did that for like two years. I loved it. I thought I was going to go into radio. And then I saw that people didn't make a lot of money in radio unless you made it big time. So I walked away. But here I am. Here we are, you know, uh, thirty some years later, forty years later, and God has allowed 80s Hope to have a national radio broadcast heard in 205 markets that I get a chance to be a part of, and and He was preparing, you know, decades ago, for what He wanted to be be, be a part of today. And so, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, you know, today I just don't understand why God has me in the season. Um, maybe he's preparing you for something that's on the other side of the mountain. So continue to to do your best at what he's called you to do and just trust in him. He knows what he's doing. He does. He knows what he's doing. You moved to Mississippi and then you started the program. Did you go to, like,
0: Louisiana first or did you, like, start building the Eight Days of Hope while it was in Mississippi in the beginning stages of it?
1: Yeah, so our first trip ever was in December of 2005. We went to Bay St. Louis, Waveland, Mississippi, which pretty much is where the eye of the storm of Katrina passed. It looked like a bomb had dropped. There was no power, no water, no buildings. Actually, there was no power in that area for almost 90 days. That's and, um, Yeah, so we took 684 people with us uh, from December 5th to December 12th, and we rebuilt 84 homes, uh, all for free, of course, uh, and we, we left. That was our first trip of now 72 trips later, 17 years later. uh, We now have gone all over the country. We help people after disasters. Our biggest trip was Houston after Hurricane Harvey. We brought 4,692 people there. And in eight days, we rebuilt 808 homes. So the ministry has changed a lot. God's blessed us with millions of dollars of equipment. We're pretty much volunteer-led. We have 180 volunteer leaders. They're all Christians. They belong to 11 different Christian denominations. So you have Baptists with Methodists, with Assemblies of God, with non-denominational Um, people just coming together, setting aside their differences. We've now completed about $65 million of work. So That's a lot. Yeah, 8,300 families have seen volunteers show up and help them. And today, as you and I record this, we're in Florida, uh, two different markets helping families after Hurricane Ian. So it's been quite the adventure the last 17 years.
0: So the question that I have, and a lot of my – I've had some people ask me about this as well. So what do you think – Um, so you guys stay there for eight days or do you guys stay there for longer than eight days?
1: Yeah. So we have two different parts of our disaster relief uh, uh, eight days of hope. So we have a rapid response team that goes to a disaster area within two days and they'll stay multiple weeks. So we were in Florida within three days of hurricane Ian passing through. We've been in Sarasota and Fort Myers now for two weeks. We're going to be there for three more weeks. When we come back, in six to nine months, in rebuilt homes, that trip will be eight days long. So, eight days of hope has multiple arms of the ministry now. Uh, disasters are are still our most well known arm, but then two years ago we started a new arm where we build large facilities around the country for free for ministries who providing a safe place for women and children rescued from trafficking. So, you know, these fifty thousand volunteers, they like to use their hands. They've been gifted. They want to build things, and so it's either building a home for free after disaster to somebody who doesn't have the right insurance or doesn't have the means, or building safe houses for for women and children rescued from trafficking.
0: So let's go into that a little bit. So when did that when did that part of the ministry start off, or has that kind of always been?
1: No, no. So so uh, eight days of hope was a disaster relief organization for uh, fourteen years. And then about six years ago, my wife and I, at the ages of 55 and 54, uh, decided uh, we wanted to adopt an orphan, an orphan a female in, from a country that has a history of trafficking. Um, because an older girl in, in, in some third world countries, uh, whose orphans, they end up being trafficked. So, long story short, we adopted two girls because they were sisters from Taiwan. Uh, and they were orphans um, at 11 and 10. And when I was over there, uh, I start learning a little bit about trafficking. Well, I was thinking this is just a third world problem. I was thinking this is just, you know, those, those countries around the world that don't have the means Americans do. And then when I came home, I realized, no, this is happening in Vegas and New Orleans and New York City. And then I realized doing my homework that this is happening in Erie, Pennsylvania, Minneapolis, Wichita, Kansas. Uh, Des Moines, Iowa. It's happening everywhere. So very quickly, uh, just started to pray, okay, Lord, what can we do to help those who've been rescued from trafficking? I mean, what can we do to educate the Christian community? And so we started a new arm about three years ago, where we have now just finished a project for Tim Tebow in Tennessee. Uh, we've done a project with Frank Wright, the head coach of the Colts. Him and his wife, Linda, have a facility for children rescued from trafficking. So, you know, we've built these facilities all around the country. Uh, Our biggest one we're about to launch in Ohio. It's gonna be a $6 million project. It will be the largest facility in the Northeast for children. Think about that, children rescued from trafficking. Um, The average age of a child um, who's trafficked is about 13 years of age. Twenty percent of the time it's done by a family member, yeah. and so when kids are rescued, we want to we want to provide them the emotional, physical, and spiritual help they need. That's what Eight Days Hope is doing now.
0: Yep, you know I think of that in my life because I was adopted myself.
1: Oh, um, good.
0: Yeah, so I was adopted from Russia, and so I can. Re- it was actually Vladikaskov, Russia. So I can relate to what you're talking about, and you know I'm all for adoptions, and especially you know how. If that part of russia and stuff was a very well-known area for human trafficking and so you know i look back and i'm thinking man i could have been one of those stats you know those statistics you know and i'd look at back and i'm like god was watching over my life especially when i was in that orphanage and i was the mm. oldest i was the oldest one at the orphanage you know so um so that's expanded and you know as we are probably going to kind of wrap things up. What else, what else do you have uh, in store for eight days of hope besides the new opening of the the complex? Like, are you guys building another North satellite on the West coast or what's next? Yes. Yeah, so
1: what, yeah. So what's next is next month. We'll be launching a new arm, uh, a mass feeding unit. What we've learned is after major disasters like Harvey, Michael, Katrina, Ian, uh, an area of the the country will go without power for a period of time and there's no food. And so, uh, we're going to be launching a feeding unit that, um, cost us over a million dollars. Uh, but this feeding unit, we will park at a local church after a disaster. And this unit can make up to 8,000 meals. So, um, Families that are hungry and have no power, and maybe they had a flood, the refrigerator is damaged, and there's no food, they're going to be able to come to a local church. And the local church will be serving them these meals at no charge. We'll make it for the local church, and that launches in November. So we're really excited about that. So That's between cool. the nat- the natural disasters, the rebuilding, to feeding people, to the safe houses, uh, people can go to our website, learn more about the ministry. It's 8daysofhope.com. They can sign up for our email alerts. And that means whenever we go anywhere, we'll invite you to come. It's free when you volunteer with us. We provide food and lodging. We don't charge you a thing. Right now, you know, hundreds of people are in Florida serving people uh, who have nowhere to turn. They're bringing hope to the hopeless. Again, all that information is on our website at 8daysofhope.com.
0: And that will be provided in the link below. Um, So for anyone that has any uh, questions or they can reach out to the organization and stuff, So as we conclude, would you mind closing us in prayer?
1: Oh, absolutely. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to get together with a new friend to share what you're doing, Father. Um, sometimes, Father, we feel like we're not worthy. I mean, who are we, Father? We're nothing without you. And Lord, Eight Days of Hope and these other ministries that are helping families and people in need, Father, it's not about a name or a logo or a ministry. It's about you moving through your people. Father, thank you for the gifts you gave my brother as he puts this podcast out. Thank you, Father, for the gifts you've given me. Uh, Lord, I I thank you how we can work together to share what you're doing around this country. And Lord, be with the volunteers of 8 Days of Hope that are in Florida right now, helping families after the hurricane. And Lord, I just pray that today, as somebody listens to this podcast, regardless if it's with 8 Days of Hope or not, Father, they find a ministry, they use their gifts to serve people, to love people. Father, that we continue to love you and love others in your name. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. amen.
0: And amen. Well, with this in mind, I want to say thank you so much, Mr. Steve, for allowing Uh, for joining in uh, for this very exclusive, uh, special episode. And remember, guys, if you have any more questions or if you want to reach out to 8 Days of Hope, I think, uh, do you mind repeating the website? Or where can they find you?
1: Yeah, so they can go to 8daysofhope.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, again, 8daysofhope.com. We have a YouTube channel as well. Watch some videos. Meet some of the families we served. It's all on our YouTube channel as well. But again, it's 8daysofhope.com. So with this in mind, remember God loves you, and I'll meet you at the finish end. Have a
0: blessed day. Bye.